course, here in the end time, because the 70 years becomes very clear when you read the 70 years uh, in regards to the end time church that it has an application. Uh, Jeremiah and Daniel saw that. <clears throat> Daniel was very much an end time book about the end time, and that equates to the church as well. So, uh, we're looking forward to the rebuilding of Jerusalem now. That's basically why we're here. To rebuild the temple, rebuild Jerusalem, and prepare for these end time events that are almost upon us, or in some respects already are upon us, uh, with what we see going on day by day. I, th I thought somebody put something together quite nicely. It says, during the time of the virus, they instructed all the medical personnel to blame everything they possibly could on the virus. And any virus reports or deaths, uh, they would receive compensation for. So they had incentive to call everything from heart attacks to cancer, covid and now I see, written by a medical personnel, an EMT in fact, that now they're telling them, don't blame anything on the vaccine. Blame it on anything but the vaccine. So at first it was blame it all on COVID, now don't blame it on the vaccine at all. So they're going in the opposite, totally opposite direction. Uh, because they don't want people to know how much damage is being uh, wrought by the vaccine. Uh, they want to get it in as many more people as they can before they start dropping uh, as fast as I think they're going to. A lot of them are already dropping, but it's going to increase a great deal. Anyway, probably enough about that. I don't think any of us are in danger of going and getting a shot. <laughs> we... We should by now know a lot better than that. Well, last week I went into the dates of the book of Haggai because they are specific. It came on the sixth month, first day, second year of Darius, and then 624, and then 721, and then 924. And then the book of Zechariah uh, <coughs> came into being along those same lines during the time that the messages from Haggai were being given. It came uh, in the eighth month, so the last mention in, in Haggai is 721, the last day of the feast, and then you have Zechariah beginning shortly thereafter in the eighth month. doesn't give a day because his first message there is simply a warning. It doesn't seem to have anything to do really with timing. But the second date mentioned in Zechariah does. It's the 11th month, the 24th day, uh, when he begins his, uh, the meat of his message. Now, I have, I'm having a little trouble, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I'm having a little trouble giving up this idea 
that the Jubilee is in 27, uh, the 7 times 7, 49th year in 26. And the reason I'm having trouble with that is that it seems to be that God has marked the dates. Uh, apparently Christ issued that uh, atonement or jubilee uh, year in 27 A.D., and then in the 49th and 50th years, with that same cycle, in 1926 and 7, God called Herbert Armstrong. Now, that was God's doing. It wasn't Herbert Armstrong's doing or anybody else's. That was God doing that. So he picked those years. He could have done it a year or two or three earlier or later. But it coincides with what Christ pronounced there in Luke 4. And then, <clears throat> 70 years later, in January of 96, and on into 97, came this great revelation of the meaning of Haggai and Zechariah and the minor prophets and all these things that we've learned beginning then. And God could have again chosen a different time, a different year. There have been a lot of years go by. Uh, could have been before, could have been after, but it wasn't. It was right then. So it seems he's put a mark there. Now, when I look at the time we have left, between now and uh, 2026 and 2027, we're getting a short period of time here, if that indeed be the case. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying... It's hard to look at what God has done in the end time and not see some correlation in the time frame. Because that would put 26 and 27, the 49th and 50th years of the Jubilee, if Herbert Armstrong was called at that time. And he was. So, we come down to the point that time is getting short for this to happen. And I thought, well, maybe some of these things will happen around Passover time or possibly Pentecost time. And the signs and wonders of Zechariah 3 uh, did not happen then. Now, that leaves us an ever-shrinking time if the holy days have to be involved in it. There's nothing that says they do. But the overall time frame may, may yet be valid. Now, if it goes beyond the timing of the giving of Haggai's and Zechariah's message, uh, and it goes around till next spring, Passover, Pentecost, or whatever, uh, there isn't time left for 70 weeks of building Jerusalem and the temple in three and a half years of preaching the gospel around the world, it shrinks it beyond the point that that is viable. Because those are set times, those amounts of times. So if, it, if the temple building started this coming December, January, uh, there would be time for the 70 weeks, for the abomination to be set up, and for the three and a half years of preaching. 
But that's the limit. Now, that sounds scary. And yet, on the other hand, God does things specifically on time. He has his timing set. So, I've not given up on the idea that these things are still coming uh, through this year and next. That we still are on schedule. And these events having to do with Haggai and Zechariah have specifically to do with the end time remnant and their leadership. So the dates, as given, may apply specifically to God's resurrection of the church, the bringing in of the remnant, uh, and that may be why Haggai and even Zechariah give some specific dates. God may have this lined up ahead of time so that these events will occur on those days of the calendar. Now, this was two years after the 70 years ended, uh, eighth month of the second year of Darius. So, not everything began happening immediately after the 70th year. We've gone over that several times, second, third, fourth year before things really got completely going and then finished up, and even some delays. We don't have time for any delays anymore if the time frame is correct. And there's so many things that go into this, like the hundred years of Noah being equated as well. And from 1926-27, a hundred years later is 2026-27. So there's so many things that seem to indicate that this could be right that I want to explore it a little more today from mostly Zechariah's standpoint. We saw, as a brief review, uh, six-month first day comes this message. It's not time for you to be doing your own thing. Let's get the Lord's house built. Well, that's been there now for a long, long time, <laughs> thousands of years. So how do you say now it is here? How do you know that? Because I've been reading it. Well, specifically, and a lot, since 1996. And I've thought all along, well, this could be the year. This could be the year. This might be the time. Why are these dates specific? Why not just say in the second year of Darius or in the third month of Darius or something? Why does he attach specific days to it if it's not a very specific prophecy? It's always been a question in my mind all these years. Well, maybe it's coming to the point that this will come to fruition. <coughs> I don't know that. I'm just, I want to throw some things out there for us to look at and to think about because we're already over halfway through July, you know. And the first day of the sixth month of Haggai this year is September 7th. So that's less than two months away. Now, we also know, and I, I think that this was true, to, to this day I think it's true, that God went ahead and pronounced His judgment on this nation in August of uh, 
2017 when that eclipse occurred across the nation at noon as Amos 8 clearly shows and then God said there would be death and destruction well it's a little time coming this uh, this July and August marks four years now bear that in mind because I've got a little scripture I want to show you if I don't forget it about that that's I think could be important now when the 4.30 of Ezekiel ended, we've been over this many times, he says, it is come, it is come, it is near, it won't tarry, it is come about 13, 14 times uh, there right after the 4.30 ended. But it, it wouldn't be like the echoing of the mountains. I don't know, over my lifetime and looking at end time events, uh, I can look back and Seems like it's kind of an echoing since 1953, and then they started promoting 72 and 75, and then 82, and and on and on it went. So it just seemed like, well, yeah, that's like the echoing of the mountains. How far out does it have to get before you begin to feel that? That I don't really know, but it can't be a real long period of time. It has to be pretty quick. For him to emphasize it that much. What he's really telling us is don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. It is very near. It's not going to be prolonged like the echoing. It's near. The 70 years, I think, also come to play. I do believe that 1947, when the college began, was when... Jeremiah's message for the end time church began the 70 years of building church houses and so on that we would be in Babylon yet a long period of time wouldn't be just a short time but in a long period of time 70 years uh, that would have ended in 2017 as well so, second year of Darius we're dealing here, that's two years after their 70 was over. And by the time they got to Jerusalem, you're looking at at least three. And uh, by the time they got everything going, uh, it was could have been easily four years. So, these things are imminent, they are near. And I cannot deny the prophecy in Isaiah 7 where it says within 65 years, Ephraim would be not a nation anymore. And I attributed that to the Hilderberger meeting in May of 54. I think, it, you know, 54 it was. Because there wasn't anything close to that, anywhere near the time frame we're looking at today that seemed important. And the Bilderbergers are meeting this weekend, I think it's in Germany, with Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and a few others, to probably institute the next round of what they're bringing upon us. Uh, they get together and plan and plot, and these things have been plotted out long ago, but maybe they're talking about just when and how we'll go about it at this point with whatever they're bringing next. So, 
I think that Bilderberger meeting back then was significant because they're still very significant in part of the planning of this great reset or new world order. They're right in the middle of it. Well, I think we could say that from late 2019 through 20, this nation began to be not a nation. You look at it today, and it is so divided in so many different directions. See if you can think of anything, anything that would come to your mind. What would unite this nation to do a singular task? Can you think of anything that we could rally around and all do and make it happen? It is so divided, so many directions, so much hate, <coughs> that we can't do anything. Why fear something that is that fractured? Let's say you had a quart jar. And somebody acted like they were going to throw it at you. Well, now that quart jar is a little bit of something to fear, right? It's all in one piece. It can hit you pretty hard. Now, if they happen to drop it and it shatters into a zillion pieces, you don't have to fear that jar anymore. They can't pick it up and throw it at you very easily. And that's the way this nation has become. It is fractured into so many little pieces that we're incapable of doing anything. And I think our enemies realize that, and those who are making slaves of us at the moment realize that, and we have knuckled under to their mask mandate and to their vaccine mandate, and I think over half this nation is now inoculated. That could kill half of us pretty quickly once the real symptoms all come clear. <coughs> Pardon me, if you will. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been working in the chicken house all week off and on, and there's a lot of that dust in there from chicken manure, and I'm worse than usual with my coughing and hacking. Somehow chicken manure and lungs don't go together real well, it appears. I should have worn a mask. But I have this aversion to masks lately. <laughs> Whatever. I guess we'll just have to put up with it. Anyway, we have these things that have lined up and seem to still be in line. So, let's look at, at Haggai, I mean at Zechariah. Now, the last date given in Haggai 2 before Zechariah starts, is the last day of the feast in the seventh month. And it, it said, now let's compare the first temple with the last temple. Now I think this is still talking about the church, the spiritual temple, okay? Because the foundation for the physical temple apparently does not get laid or mentioned being laid until 924. 
So this is before that. So if the remnant has gathered by 721, and we've come to the last of the Feast of Tabernacles, the remnant will have just uh, observed the Feast. Probably Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's at that point God says, now let's compare what was it like in Worldwide at this time and what we have here now today. And already they'll be able to see an incredible contrast because these people who are coming are full of zeal and energy to serve God in whatever way they can. They won't be fully educated on what needs to be done, but they will have arrived and been told, we're here to build the temple. And they're going to be asked, do you see something better here than what we had before? And it had better be better than what we were before in the Feast of Tabernacles of the past. Then he says to be encouraged and that he will be with us and work with us to get this job done. Be strong and work. When the silver is mine, the gold is mine, and the glory of this latter house will be greater than of the former. So he's saying, <coughs> already we've had a spiritual revival. Now we're going to build the physical temple. And I have the gold, the silver, the treasures, everything that's needed to do it. And I'll be with you, just like with Egypt. See, we're not to worry about it. Now, I know somebody who probably will be, or has been, I think, made privy to where the treasures are. But he's scared to death that the governments are going to come in <coughs> and take it all over. I think I said last week, we've got a lot to worry about. Because I think that's going to happen. <laughs> All those temple treasures and the gold and the silver be put on the new temple. And as soon as it's finished, 70 weeks in, beast and false prophet come in and take it over. And they'll have it for three and a half years. So all our work will look to be in vain, Right? We did all this, got it all built, got it all ready, and now the times of the Gentiles comes in, and they take it over. Woe is me. No, no, woe is me. Get thee hence to Zion, <coughs> because you'll be protected there, and the Gentiles will have three and a half years, and that is all, and all these things will go back to God. So, yeah, does the man have something to worry about? In a sense, yes, because he doesn't understand all this. Uh, doesn't believe in it. So he has quite a bit to be concerned about. We know when the beast and false prophet will take it over. They won't be behind, it won't be beforehand. The treasures won't show up until it's about time to use them. And that could be later this fall, this winter. I don't know. Very possible. If, if this timeline fits. So, he's saying things are going to be great. Last day of the feast. Now we're going to get to work. Feast is over. 
Let's go to work. Then, Zechariah chimes in, in the eighth month, which is only a few days later. And here's his message. It's a warning. He says, The Eternal has been sore displeased with your fathers. He was sore displeased with them in the wilderness. He was sore displeased with them at times in Joshua's day. He sent them into captivity here and there. And I think he became sorely displeased uh, with the church here at the end. And I'll show you that here in just a few verses. But he became sorely displeased. So Zechariah's warning is, God has been displeased. Now if God is displeased, something needs to get fixed. There's an old expression I've heard all my life, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And I think there's a certain amount of truth to that. Uh, hubby received some of the shock waves and the kids received some and the dog might. Uh, who knows? Of course, that's a catch-all. It might be a little sexist. I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, if somebody in the family isn't happy, everybody else feels it. It could be the husband that ain't happy and nobody else is happy. Because he yells at mama and mama yells at the kids and the kids kick the dog. So it can happen many different ways. But he's been displeased. Well, let's fix that. Therefore, say you to them, says the eternal of hosts. Says to whom? The only people that are around in the eighth month here, in the context of Haggai and Zechariah, are the remnant people and their leaders. They're the only ones that this is addressing. That's all that Haggai and Zechariah address. Period. So it's talking to the recently gathered remnant. He says, let's not be the way things have been. Let's fix it. Turn you to me, says the Eternal of hosts, and I will turn to you, says the Eternal of hosts. I quote that one out of, I think it's Jeremiah 31, quite a bit. And he'll be found of us, he says. It says the same thing here. But this is a specific message to a specific people. It's not to all Israel by any means. Be not as your fathers... Unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus says the Eternal of hosts, Turn you now from your evil ways and from your evil doings, but they did not hear nor hearken to me, says the Eternal. Your fathers, where are they? The prophets, do they live forever? Uh, Norman Smith just died. Nearly all the evangelists from worldwide back then are dead now. I don't know... Is Wayne Cole still alive? I don't know. There's, they're nearly all gone. And they didn't give us all the message that we needed. We didn't make all the changes we needed to make. But God was only a little displeased at that point. And then he says the heathen came in and he became sorely displeased. That's later in this chapter. In the 11th month. That message came. So he's warning us here. 
that we're not to be the way that we were, and we're not to be where the Takachas took us if we went with them. But my words and my statutes, whom I commanded my servants the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, Like as the Lord of hosts thought to do to us, according to our ways and according to our doings, so has he dealt with us. <coughs> so God will deal with the situation however it is. Now he's saying this just before the ninth and 24th of Haggai. Down in verse 10 of chapter 2 in Haggai, he says to the priests, does that which is clean touch unclean make it clean? Or the other way around? So, Zechariah is saying essentially the same thing in the eighth month that is asked in the ninth month. Are things clean or the way they ought to be? Can you still touch the unclean? And the priest said, oh no, we can't touch the unclean. So, when the remnant arrives, they will have been stirred to come. <coughs> but do you think they'll be perfect? Do you think they'll have everything the way it ought to be? No. They've been part of the scattering. They've been part of this mess. And they're going to be looking around for answers. And there will be answers there for them to have. But the warning comes that we are to be holy. It tells us in Isaiah 52, Be you clean that bear the vessels of the eternal. So there's a warning here, even to the remnant, that they have to come up to scratch, up to the standard, up to the bar of God's laws and ways. Because they'll come with a lot of bad habits, with a lot of faults, a lot of weaknesses, as we all have. So they'll show up and be in need to be taught and led and guided and helped, is how they'll arrive. So he said, then from 9th and 24th, he would begin to bless them in verse 18. And ask, have you, have you seen the drought end yet? Have the vines and the trees begun to produce yet? Well, no. We sit here today saying, well, I haven't seen much growth. I haven't seen much fruit. <coughs> Nothing's happened. He says, from that day forward, will I bless you? Now, what does that have to do with? Does it have to do with the first month? No, it has to do with the ninth month. Because it has to do with the building of the temple in Jerusalem. That's what it's all about. So that time of blessing is a different time, a different blessing, than the first month blessings of Joel 2 and, and uh, other places that that's mentioned. This is a different blessing. This is blessing a specific project, if you will. So then let's get back to Zechariah. Verse 7, the 24th day of the 11th month. So this is two months later. 9.24 usually falls toward the end of December. So we're looking at sometime in February here. 
if these dates have meaning this year. Uh, again, it's still the second year of Darius. Came the word of, to Zechariah. And he said, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse. Now, he saw by night, that means it's still dark. Uh, things have not been made really clear yet. They're not out in the sunshine where everybody can see it. And Zechariah begins to give some specific things that God is going to do. 924, he says, from this day will I bless you. Zechariah gives a warning in there before that said, and then he goes beyond it two months and starts giving some specifics that God is going to do. Okay? Man riding upon a red horse, that generally means war, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. Now, myrtle tree means peace and rest in the Hebrew. Esther's name is the same root. <coughs> Esther's wife and what happened to her in the book of Esther brought rest and peace to the Jewish nation. So here we have the myrtle trees. And what does that signify? They were in the bottom in the valley and behind him were their red horses speckled and white. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said, I'll show you. And the man that stood among them, among the peace and rest answered and said, These are they whom the Eternal has sent to walk to and fro through the earth. Now this is mentioned again in Zechariah 6, where the horses went out and gave God rest from his troubled spirit in the north country. And they answered the angel of the eternal that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We've walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, the earth sits still and is at rest. So the meaning of the word myrtle comes out here. They've walked about, and the earth is not in the middle of war. It's at rest. Now, I think you could say that right now, and it's been that way for some time. There have been small wars here and there, but we don't have world war going on. We don't have the major nations uh, at war. Uh, we will soon, but not right now. So he's speaking of a time, I would say, call it the calm before the storm, <laughs> would be what this is. We've looked around, and everything's pretty peaceful. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which you have had indignation these three score and ten years? Here in the prophecy about the remnant, the seventy years is brought up again. And it is brought up from the standpoint of What's wrong here? We're supposed to be out of captivity and everything better after 70 years. And now we're <clears throat> in the second year of Darius, two years later. Where is this? How long, O oh Lord, before you do something? And you and I have the exact same question in our minds. When is God going to do something? 
Now, I don't know if I have all this completely straight or not. I'm just throwing out some thoughts and ideas about how this may apply. Because I believe the 70 years of the church ended in 2017, as did the judgment on physical nation of Israel, or Ephraim in particular. (coughs) So, the question is posed, how long? We've had 70 years, now how much longer? And that's exactly where we stand. If the 430 ended, and it's near, it's come, how much longer before it sounds like echoes? The 70s ended, I think so. How much longer is it going to go on? You can go back to Habakkuk and he asks the same questions. And the Eternal answered the angel that walked with me with good words and comfortable words. So, what does God have to say when this question is posed 72 years later? End of 72 uh, years in the 11th month. Nearly three years. He answered me. So the angel who communed with me said to me, Cry you, saying, Thus says the Eternal of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. I'm very deeply concerned about Jerusalem and Zion, the church. It's the apple of his eye. That's where his focus is. He's deeply jealous for us and where we are in our situation. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. Tkachas took it away from God being a little displeased with the way the church was, and he became sorely displeased when they went back into Protestantism. So I think this is just a fact of history here. Therefore, thus says the Eternal, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it. So he's speaking of the temple. It's going to be built, says the Eternal. And a line shall be stretched upon Jerusalem. And then he says, Cry yet, saying, Thus says the Eternal of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. It's going to happen. It is yet going to happen. Don't give up. And the Lord shall yet comfort Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. Then he lifted his eyes and saw four horns who are scatterers, who are working against God's purposes and plan, uh, rebelling against it, not allowing, if they can help it, for it to happen the way God says it will. And then four carpenters who will be used to fray those rebels and to get rid of them so that they're no longer a problem. Now, look at chapter 2. He says, I lifted up my eyes again. So here's, here's a sequence of things that have to happen. You've got to get the naysayers, the rebels, out of the way. Because he says there in Haggai, in this place will I bring peace. 
So you can't have people who are resisting what's going on. Got to go away. Man with a measuring line in his hand. He said, where go you? And I said, to measure Jerusalem to see what its parameters are. And the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him. And he said to him, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be builded as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. (coughs) He says, tell him to run. In other words, we're down to the critical time here. There's not years to wait when this prophecy is taking place. It's time for things to happen. Let's get on it. Let's be full of zeal and energy and run. Whatever you're told to do, get it done as fast as you can get it done. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth. And another, oh, I already read that. Towns, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. So we're going to have cattle to eat, whether the boys in Washington like it or not. For I, says the Eternal, will be under a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. And then he says, Come forth and flee from the land of the north, says the Eternal. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heavens, says the Eternal. Now, he's not necessarily, I think, dating these things so much as God tells us in 9.24, From this day I'm going to bless you. And then in the 11th month, Zechariah is simply laying out the things that God is going to do, specific things that he's going to do. So I don't know that that impacts when the remnant will gather. It just says, uh, as these things begin to happen, uh, it's time to flee. Now, Jeremiah 50 and 51 tell, tell them that they are to flee just ahead of the northern army. So we know about when that's going to occur. Deliver yourself, O Zion, that dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For thus says the Eternal of hosts, After the glory has he sent me to the nations which spoiled you, for he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. God's not going to let the apple of his eye have much trouble. Little but not much. And then he says, Sing and rejoice, daughter of Zion, for I will come and dwell in the midst of you. There's Emmanuel, God with us. And many will join to you. And the Lord, verse 12, shall inherit Judah his portion in the Holy Land and shall choose Jerusalem again, as he said earlier. Be silent before God. He's rising up out of his habitation. He's going to work too. So that means anybody here, they're given a commission, need to run, get it done, once these things begin to happen. Now let's tie in a little bit. Uh, Chapter 3 here goes into uh, Joshua and the uh, giving of the signs and wonders, the healings and so on, that are going to cause... 
Zerubbabel to show up, the branch of the eternal. He makes it very clear that he's going to believe these things when he sees God's hand. Some things are going to happen. And then it talks about in chapter 4 the instruction of the church and how they're all fed and brought up to date. And the church becomes a vital organism once again that is far better than what we experienced before. Plus then the building of the physical temple. Let's go back now. As There's a lead up to this. The book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk has a question. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to the violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grief for spoiling and violence and there's strife and contention? The law is slacked and judgment doesn't go forth. Same question that's in your mind and mine. How long, O oh Lord? <laughs> That's how he starts the book. <coughs> God says in verse 5, I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. This is going to, this is going to surpass anything you've been told or thought. Or I'm going to brace up the Chaldeans, that bitter, hasty nation, and then they're going to bring destruction. So Habakkuk says, how long? And God says, don't worry, I'll work a work. I'll work a good work. But in the meantime, here comes the northern army. And they're going to do a lot of destruction. Chapter 2, he says, I'll stand on my watch and sit on the tower and see what he'll say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He knew he had a bit of an attitude there. How long? Probably said with some despair. <coughs> Not just a rhetorical question. How long, Lord? But how long? Plaintive. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. Now, we're told to run here the same way the young man was told to run there in Zechariah because there's haste, there's hurry. It's a bonus. So, that's when you run. He may run that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It is an appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it. Now he's saying here again, in different words, it's going to seem like it doesn't come. It's going to seem like it's still a ways away. Why isn't it here yet? How long, O oh Lord? I got a tithe in mind, and it won't lie. But if it seemed long to you, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So, what he said in Ezekiel about it has come, it is close, means something. When the 70 years ended, 
uh, it meant something. And two years later, they were still waiting. So it's not a long wait. Remember, there got to be some of us old enough to have seen worldwide at its best, and this at its best. And there aren't too many old codgers left that can say that. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. We have to wait patiently in faith, not get too excited. Now let's go on down to chapter 3. Here's one that I've pondered over the years. Verse 2, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Well, this coming of the Chaldean army and all that, he heard God say that and he was afraid. Makes sense. We heard, if we heard an announcement today that World War III was going to start tomorrow, we would be afraid. Now he says, I've heard your speech, I was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known, in wrath remember mercy. We know the northern army is going to be coming soon. The Chinese, the Russians, the Iranians, all their allies, the United Nations, are all working on their plan on when they're going to take us over, when they're going to attack. And they're doing everything they can in the meantime to weaken us and prepare us for that. So he says, revive us in the midst of the years. What does that mean? Midst of what years? Just had a thought this morning on that. If these prophecies were enacted in 2017 in the fall, uh, and this thing is indeed to wind up in 2026 and 27, uh, from 2017 to 2026 is nine years. And most of it will be done. You you just have the the seven last plagues and the atonement in 2027, but Christ would return in 26 in that case if it's correct. Nine years. Well, in the midst of nine years would be precisely four and a half years, right? From August, say, of 2017. We're now in July, almost August of 2021. That's four years. This prophecy was given in the 11th month, which is five months later. That's... uh, Four and a half years almost, or about. Is this the time frame we're talking of when God gave his judgment in 17 and then he begins to enact it? (coughs) And he sends the armies and his people flee just ahead of them. When is this thing going to hit? We don't really know, 
there are those who believe the financial crash is going to come this fall out in the world. I mean, just people are examining things, and they think that's when it's coming. They may be right. They may not. Uh, a thought along those lines, before I forget it, is in Zephaniah, where again God says he's going to consume things off the land. And then he talks about a financial crash. Chapter 2, it says, Gather yourselves together, O nation undesirable, before the decree bring forth, before the day passes the chaff, and before the fierce anger of the eternal come upon you, seek you the eternal, all you meek of the earth, which have worked his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness, it may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So it seems that he's telling people, flee just before this financial crash occurs and just before the northern army invades. So there may be a little window of time there to do just that. It won't be a real long window. But what if these dates in Haggai and Zechariah actually are fulfilled, say, through this year. It's, it's a possibility. The midst of the years, then, would be in that fourth to fifth year time frame, since that decree of judgment was given in Amos, right in the middle of it. Is that what Habakkuk's talking about? I don't know. It's possible. He just says, revive your work in the midst of the years. And we know that the work is going to be revived shortly. And it's talking about the regathering and the remnant coming. And we look at when that judgment was made in 2017. And the far end of it, when it's all over, is 2026, essentially. Uh, this is about the middle time. Will he revive his work and call his people, I don't know, this August, September, October? Uh, will this all happen that quickly? Could. I, I don't know how fast things are going to deteriorate. I don't know when they're going to pull the plug and have the financial crash or when they're going to invade. But that could happen very, very rapidly. They're talking right now in that meeting in Germany with the Bilderbergers and others about this, this being a crypto attack on the Internet, on the, the electrical grid. Now, if they, if they bring those down, this nation is on its knees immediately. Nothing works without that. There's hardly a transaction made today in this nation that doesn't go out over the Internet your credit cards, everything. And if they don't have electric, they can't do that either. So this thing could happen in three days' time. Depends on when God decides to let them pull the plug. And I don't know. So if we're thinking, well, could this happen that fast? Yeah, it could. I don't know what those people over there in that meeting are going to come up with for sure, but that's what I've read is that they're this next one is not necessarily a disease, but it may be an attack on the power grid and the Internet and such. And we're dead in the water. 
All trucks would stop running. Uh, fuel would be gone. Nothing can happen. We would be in total disarray. And it wouldn't take, <coughs> it wouldn't take a week <coughs> or two before we'd be ripe for invasion. Uh, I mean, we'd be starving within a week, ten days, two weeks. They're already in, they've had riots now for what, four days in South Africa? <coughs> they got, these people looted all the stores, took everything out of them. Now they're standing in lines hundreds of yards long trying to get some food. Well, they've destroyed the supply line. Where's the food coming from? And some of the rioters says we are at the point of considering eating each other. And that's four days after this happened. America would be in the same shape. And it's hard for us to imagine that if they shut down the supply lines. The grocery stores would be emptied pretty much overnight, and then you're on your own. So could this thing happen that fast? It just very well might. I don't know that. But we'll see. Now, if this is not correct, and these dates in Haggai and Zechariah don't apply to this year, then we're coming up on recalculating when this thing ends. And I'm, I'm having a little trouble with that in my mind because of the dates that God has done things here in the end time work. So, maybe this gives us a little hope that this thing is about to be resolved and that the how long, O Lord, is about to be answered, and we may be in the midst of the years, as Habakkuk puts it. And then he said, I'm going to sit on my watch and let God take care of me, <laughs> because I can't take care of myself under these conditions. And we're going to be in the same position. God will have to take care of us. And he says we're the apple of his eye, and he will, and tells the people to flee uh, from the daughter of Babylon and come to Zion. So, is this the time frame? I don't know. But we don't have long to wait to see, put it that way. Uh, it just still could be the case that these things will happen this fall and winter. And everything will still be on schedule with the, uh, with the uh, jubilees as we understand them. So, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not trying to say this is the way it is. It's just some speculation based on these scriptures and the events that are going to happen and uh, how they could happen that fast. And it could depend on what Satan and his minions over in Germany right now are planning as we sit here today. Uh, and God will turn them loose in his time when he's ready because it will all fit his plan. All right, let's call it a day and some things to think about.